Thanks for joining us on the Gen Church podcast of Generations Church. We are a community of everyday people who are committed to expanding God's family together because of Jesus for generations to come. Right now, we are preparing to celebrate our second birthday as a church. If you've been impacted by our ministry, please send us a note via email to hello at mygenerations.church or consider donating a special gift on our website, mygenerations.church, as a birthday present. Our monthly emphasis is with. It corresponds perfectly with our series, Everyday Jesus. Jesus makes you a new person with a new family on a new mission. So, because of Jesus, we want you to have an everyday faith. It's a way of life, not an event or a scheduled meeting. Everyday faith is the process of learning to follow God in all of life so that you experience everyday family and enjoy everyday mission. If we truly live everyday faith through the power of Jesus, then we will need to be with him. We must realize that he is also with us. When we are with others, he is at work. Be with Jesus. Be with others. He is with us. So I hope that you enjoy today's teaching. 1 John chapter 2, verses 3 through 6. If you want to open up with me, if you want to follow along on the screen, this is what it says. And by this, we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments is a liar. And the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, in him truly the love of God is perfected. By this, we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. Will you pray with me? Father, as we gather this morning, those in the room, those online, God, I pray that we hear you, we see you whether it's through connection with others, through teaching, through song, God, that you show up. God, you speak through your Holy Spirit this morning, that we hear you, we see you. God, as we begin to evaluate our our everyday faith and how it's expressed, how it uh, forms us at the core, God, I pray that you are just leading us and guiding us in maybe an area we need to grow, we need to evaluate, places to step into community with others, or maybe a place to just be generous. God, however you're speaking, you're leading this morning, we give it to you. We want to glorify you in all that we do and say. And Father, we, we come, we gather, and we worship you this morning. Today, we are going to start with a little word association game. So now you got to understand it's been a about a month since I've stood up here and been able to teach uh, and, and talk with you all. So I got some stuff that's pent up, but I, I'm going to have a little fun here here, here to start. Um, so here's what I'm going to do is I'm going to give kind of the sentence, the first example, and then we're going to do audience participation time. So I'm going to need you to respond uh, with me. So if you squeeze lemons, you'll make some lemonade. Okay, so... If you squeeze some grapes, you'll make some wine or grape juice. Uh, we'll see. Ah, I got you. Guys. Let's go. If you squeeze some oranges, you'll get some orange juice. Yes. If you squeeze some apples, you'll make some 
apple juice or you'll break your hand trying to squeeze that apple. Um, if you plant, let's go a little step. If you plant pine cone, you'll get a pine tree. If you plant a kernel of corn, you'll get some corn. <laughs> Christian will produce a Christian. I think in playing the game, we see that kind of like produces like. Or, or, or what is, when you squeeze something and press it, what is natural entity within it comes out. And so we see that like makes like. But for some reason, when it comes to following Jesus and we get around church circles, sometimes we get a little bit awkward or, or a little uncomfortable because when we press ourselves as Christian, we suddenly think, oh, maybe instead of we'll produce a Sunday church attendance. Or Christians make moral people or even when pressed some people might even say well well christians produce hypocrites or a certain political party affiliate or they produce something else fill in the blank but like is supposed to like when it's pressed and squeezed or when it's planted it is supposed to grow but for some reason, when we comes to our faith, every day following Jesus, when we are pressed, we think it's supposed to produce something else. We don't always recognize that it's supposed to produce better, more devoted followers of Jesus. It's no wonder in John, that John Stott in his work, Basic Christianity, writes, hostile to the church, friendly to Jesus. He continues, these words describe large numbers of people, especially young people today. They are opposed to anything which savors of institutionalism. They detest the establishment and its entrenched privileges. And they reject the church, not without some justification, because they regard it as impossibly corrupted by such evils. Yet what they have rejected is the contemporary church, not Jesus Christ himself. It is precisely because they see a contradiction between the founder of Christianity and the current state of the church he founded that they are critical and aloof. The person and teaching of Jesus have not lost their appeal. For one thing, he was himself an anti-establishment figure, and some of his words had revolutionary overtones. Jesus' ideals appear to have been incorruptible. He breathed love and peace wherever he went. And for another thing, he invariably practiced what he preached. The preface to basic Christianity was written in 1958 and revised in 1971. We stand 50 years later from those words. And I believe the same thing, at least the same thing, least a very similar thing can be said today. Researcher Barner said that one-third of non-Christians would consider Christianity if the Christians they knew had a better reputation. They say, I like your Christ, but I do not like your Christians. Your Christians are so unlike your Christ. 
I don't want to stand in condemnation or guilt you today or say that we all need to be better because I think on some ways that as we look at our own life, we know that we have our own inconsistencies, we have our own flaws. And so my goal today is not to point that out to you and say, just do better. But my hope is that as you consider your faith, that you begin to ask the question, is it an everyday faith? Is it one that you connect and commune with Jesus? that you reflect on your own life, and in the spaces where you live, work, and play, it comes to reality. And I can't help but wonder, in quotes like this and statistics that I've shared, if in some of, as we consider our own faith, it's because we've missed what 1 John 2.6 is describing, and instead living what 1 John 2.15 and 17 warns us against. And looking at this passage, we see something that communicates the reality of Jesus. The passage reads, the one who says he remains, the one who claims to be a Christian, the one who says, I follow Jesus, should walk just as he walked. Now, for some of those of you who are very literal people, let me communicate first what this doesn't mean. As a mentor of mine has written, These are his words. As much as I hate to admit it, 1 John 2.6 does not mean that we are to move to Israel, put on some sandals, and go walk where Jesus literally walked. He says, I love Israel, and I've often longed to walk the famous Jesus path, the path marked out for tourists in Israel. The Jesus path, it lets you walk where Jesus walked, but it doesn't help you walk as Jesus Walking as Jesus walked also does not mean that we are to buy a robe, some good leather sandals, grow our hair long, and walk from town to town here in Clark County. Well, this might make a good movie or provide some entertainment for our neighbors. It does not fulfill the command of 1 John 2, 6, to walk as Jesus That's what it doesn't mean. Now we can get a better picture of what it does mean. The word translated walk is used throughout the New Testament. It means following, making progress, regulating one's life, or conducting oneself after the pattern of another person. To walk like Jesus then means that we we are to emulate the pattern of living that Jesus modeled for us. That as we reflect on our life, And then as we look at Jesus' life, we're to to discern a pattern, his love, his peace, his patience with people. Maybe his lack of judgment. Maybe his propensity for asking questions in difficult circumstances. Maybe it's sitting with people who are mourning. And to reflect on our own life and say, when we find ourselves in those situations, do we find ourselves being patient? We're quicker to speak and slower to listen. Do we find ourselves judging or telling people what they should do rather than listening and maybe asking a well-timed question? I've said this before, but I think it applies here. If Jesus were to live a day in your shoes, how would he live if he was to live a day in your shoes? And this question should not be dismissed lightly. 
oftentimes our picture of Jesus is a superhuman picture of Jesus rather than a fully human picture of Jesus. When we read the words of the Bible, we think that Jesus has got on some cape, that he goes into a phone booth and come out, and clearly when we go into a phone booth and come out, we don't have the big S on our shirt and the red flowing cape. And even at times we might long to do things a little bit better or have a little more capacity. We know that we don't quite measure up, but we've settled for a, a faulty picture of Jesus. Because day by day, Jesus, when he lived, surrendered to the Spirit and knew his Bible, knew the Scriptures, and then was able to respond appropriately in whichever situation he found himself in. See, Jesus never wrote a book. He never went to college, never traveled far from his hometown. He never held political office and never made much money. Yet this Middle Eastern Jewish carpenter has altered the course of human history with literally billions of people devoting their lives to him, spanning different countries, centuries, and cultures. He flipped the world upside down from doing ministry primarily in the area the size of Clark County with a fraction of the people. He lived in obscurity for 30 years where people really didn't know who he was or what he was about. And then in four short years, turned the world upside down and his following made a difference for generations to come. In a time before mass media. See, people encountered Jesus in their everyday lives and encountered his followers in their everyday lives and were changed by him. And their exposure to Jesus' identity and mission over time and proximity came to understand how it affected their lives and the world. The life, death, and coming back to life of Jesus was shared with people. And this is the heart of Christianity. When we are pressed, when we are squeezed, when we are stressed, what is supposed to ooze out of us as we follow Jesus is more love, more peace, more patience, because we know what God has done in Jesus. And how because of Jesus, we have that same access to God. Therefore, we can give more freely. We don't have to seek approval or power or control. Because we are getting to know and living in connection to the one who is in control. And we know that there's not some impossible standard that we have to live up to. Because we know that Jesus met that standard for us. That he himself is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, not only for ours, but also for those of the whole world. Meaning who Jesus is and what he has done is the cure for our brokenness and the brokenness of our world. And after Jesus returns to the Father and sends the Spirit, these people returned and retold the stories of his life and teaching again and again. The argument John's making in this letter, he writes it to a group of people. And they are caught up in this disembodied discussions about faith and life. Of what it would look like to assent mentally. Or have the right answers. Or kind of discern this secret code. You know, if you could just figure it out and write the right answer, then you're good. And what John is saying, it's not just knowing what's right. It's not just being able to regurgitate something. It's the ability 
to practice what you preach. And that others around you, it's not just teaching them verbally, but understanding that more is taught than taught. And if they were to follow you in your life, would they begin to walk as Jesus walked? See, when the good news of Jesus is evident in your life, then others will see Jesus. And that's why our vision for Generation Church explicitly says, because of Jesus. It's not our programs or strategy that helps people see Jesus. It's true people who walk as Jesus walked in their everyday life, who fully look at their day and say, Spirit, I need you to help me. They look to the patterns of the scriptures and they seek the story of Jesus and say, in this setting, in this situation, how might I respond? And people will not see Jesus when those who claim to be followers love the things of the world. John describes this in verse 16 of chapter 2. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of one's possessions is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world with its lust is passing away. But the one who does the will of God remains forever. What he's telling us is that we are not to love or idolize thoughts, values, and behaviors that are contrary to the Spirit's prompting in God's Word and His will. See, the things that appeal to our sinful flesh are fleeting and passing away. And they are not to be lived for. And when the church exchanges that what we need, saying we need things to be a certain way, certain cultural realities in order to practice our faith, then we will increasingly behave in ways that look less like Jesus and more like the world. The command that John is alluding to in this passage is one of love. And love does not seek to manipulate or control or justify, but to respond, to give, to work for the betterment of others, to self-sacrifice as Jesus has self-sacrificed himself for us. We are able to do that for others. And then in modeling that, we have a value, a way that is winsome. And right now we face the great temptation to blame shift for why the brokenness of our world is perpetuated. To choose not to love because we are not loved by the world. And we have a tendency to say, look out there. But I believe time for us as the church to look in here and to say, what is our motivation? Are we feeling stressed and pressed and tempted to recluse away, to love less? But I think the church that is prime for this cultural moment is one that says, no, let's love more because Jesus has And in order to do that, in order to know that love, in order to become more like Jesus in this way, we must be with him. It can't be an appointment that we set on our schedule. It can't be relegated to one hour a week. We must remember that he is with us, and we must learn to be with him. And we are able to understand 
that as we are with him, that Christ loves us, that Christ loves you, the person that you are. He doesn't just love the saved you or the cleaned up version of you. No, he loves you at your putrid worst. Jesus doesn't clean you up in order to love you. He loves you and so cleanses you. When we are with him, we are able to feel and embrace that love. We have received this good news. And every great external renewal in our world is always preceded by an internal renewal of experiencing that love first with Jesus. And so I want to encourage you in the coming weeks as we walk through this everyday Jesus series to go on a journey of being with him. Now, I'm really tempted right here to give you a list of tasks, to give you a just do this, but I think that would be perpetuating the very thing that I'm speaking in some ways against. I'm not going to do that. What I would encourage you is to ask the Holy Spirit and to seek his scriptures, to open up your Bible, to, to create some space, whether it's morning, evening, noon, however that looks for you. Maybe it's on the drive in the car, listening to some music. And to simply ask, Jesus says, I'm about to enter into this situation. How would you have me live? How would you have me respond? And then respond. Mark Sayers writes in his book, Reappearing Truth. In the face of this cultural challenge, our programs, our smarts, our resources, our money, our communication, our skills, our education are not going to cut it anymore. Much of the Western church is operating on the kinetic forward motion of previous moves of God, lounging on a platform built by the service and ministry of past and passing generations. However, that fuel tank is approaching empty. And the fuel tank gets refilled when followers of Jesus create space to be with Jesus. I like how John Stott ends his preface. then this is the basic Christianity, the belief that Jesus is the Son of God who came to be the Savior of the world. To Not just to assent to his divine person, to acknowledge man's need of salvation, and to believe in Christ's saving work. That, that's not enough. Christianity is not just a creed. It involves action. Our intellect, belief, may be, on, be beyond criticism, but we have to translate our belief to deeds. What must we do then? We must commit ourselves, heart, mind, soul, and will, home, and life, personally and unreservedly to Jesus Christ. We must humble ourselves before him. We must trust in him as Savior and submit to him as our Lord, and then go on to take our place as loyal members of the church and responsible citizens in the community. And what happens the world is flipped upside down. The people are skeptical of the church but are open to the spiritual. The greatest doorway to the transformation in this community is not necessarily people walking through that door, but people seeing you where you live, work, and play. So do they see Jesus in you? 
I'm going to give you three areas in the coming weeks where I believe we must be formed in order to embody the love and purpose and power of Jesus in our everyday lives. We want them to see Jesus in our lives. And we've got to recognize that they may even walk away disappointed because Jesus challenges our nature and our priorities. But we would rather people walk away because of Jesus than because of our refusal to see the love of God made complete in us. So over the next three weeks, we're going to focus on some outcomes. That Jesus makes you a new person with a new family on a new mission. And so, because of Jesus, we want you to have an everyday faith. It's a way of life, not an event or a scheduled meeting. Everyday faith is the process of learning to follow God in all of life so that you experience everyday family and enjoy everyday mission every day, everywhere, for everyone, with others. The everyday Jesus leads to an everyday faith. And if we do this, it'll be scary because we're giving something away. But it's always so I'm going to invite the band to come back up and invite John to come up, and he's going to lead us in our time of response. But we gave you and me- mentioned that orange card. It says, Everyday Jesus. And so over the coming weeks, I'd invite you to reflect. Which area do you want to grow in being formed in Christ-likeness? Is it your everyday faith, learning what it looks like to live out the new person? Is it everyday family, learning what it looks like to have family, have spiritual parents and aunts and uncles to help that catch up to reality? Or is it the everyday mission, finding new purpose in your work, serving with Jesus and with others? And so I'm going to pray, and John's going to lead us in our response time. God, you are good, and I just pray right now that you make your love complete in us that we respond and listen, that we're not fearful about what it means when we decide to say yes and take a step of growth. But we understand that we're able to do that, we're able to live because of your love first for us. Thank you for your love and for your grace. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.